Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. All right, y'all look good this morning. Happy Mother's Day again. Uh, moms, you're awesome. I don't care what your kids say about you. You're awesome. All right. I'm praying for you. Oh, man. So it's a good day to be here with you guys. And moms, I just want to say thank you for being a mom. It's, you know, if it was easy, everybody would do it, right? So thank you for being a mom. I just want to recognize you. If your mom, go and stand in the house. We just want to applaud you. We love you. Thank you for being a mom. It's okay to be a mom. That's good. It's good. It's good. And so after service, we have uh, some cookies for you moms out there. Please grab one. And on there, it says, we will crumble without you because that's probably the facts. It's true, right? We need our moms. Um, I'm so thankful for uh, my mom. I'm also thankful for the spiritual moms in my life. Uh, They made a real difference. And I'm thankful for my wife who takes care of our kids because without her, I don't know where they'd be. Um, so thank you. It is Mother's Day. Um, can I open up with a joke? I didn't first service because like, I, I didn't know how this message would go and nobody threw fruit, so I'm good. So I'm going to tell a joke. All right, here we go. So in the beginning, God created man, right? And he, he put him in the garden to work it. And it says that he was trying to find this suitable helper. He was naming all the animals and he couldn't find one that fit. He just couldn't find a helper that would just meet his requirements. And so being fed up, he came to God and he said, God, I can't find anyone that I need to be a helper. And God's like, well, what do you want? He's like, well, this is what I want. I want someone who's going to wait on me hand and foot, someone that's never going to complain, someone that is always going to be there for me and do everything for me and just lay her life, lay their life down for me. He says, how much would that cost me, Lord? God thinks about it for a minute. He looks at Adam says, Adam, that's going to cost you an arm and a leg. (laughs) Adam thinks about it for a minute. He's like, what can I get for a rib? (laughs) There you go. There you go. There you go. All right. Yeah, all right. So we are talking about womanhood today. Uh, And we're going to open up Genesis. It's amazing. This story of creation gives us so much insight to why God created man and woman. You know, they're different, right? Men and women are different. But why did God create them the way that they did? Why did God create women? And being a man, who better than to tell you what a woman is except for me, right? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Please. Like I said, nobody threw fruit last service, so we're good. But I do want to open this passage up because it's a beautiful passage of God's created design for men and for women. Your created value resides in who God created you to be. And I pray that after today that you walk away here, hopefully knowing a little bit more about yourself as a woman, if you're a woman, and knowing how God created you to be. And if you're a man, don't check out, okay? 
This is for you as well, because we as men need to understand how God created a woman and their, and their creative value in society and in our lives. And, and I pray that this, this, this message opens that up to you this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 28. Then we're going to jump to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 through 25. And so let's stand at the reading of the word. I'm going to read it for you. And then we're going to get into the word. So Genesis 1:26 starts like this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed him, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the living things that move on the earth. And then the Lord said, it's not good that the man should be left alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of heaven and brought them to the man to see what, would, what we, he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Then the man gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found any helper to fit for him. And so the Lord caused a deep sleep to call, come upon man, and while he slept, took one of the ribs and closed, up, closed it up in its place with flesh. And that rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this is at last, it's bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man of, and, and his wife were both naked and were unashamed. Father God, I pray that you would just use this message. God, that women in this building today would understand their worth. God, that men would see women as you created them to be, God, of value and a purpose. God, co-heirs in this labor of Christ. God, I pray that we would walk away today knowing who we are in you. God, I pray that you would open my mouth to speak your words. God, I pray that you would open the ears to hear and the hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. So I want to open this story up. God creates mankind, and he created mankind for a purpose. We read this in Genesis chapter 1. This is why he created man. He created him in his own image, but then he created him to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth and subdue it. And to have dominion over all the fish, all the birds, and every living thing that moves on the earth. So God gives mankind this mandate. Go and fill the earth. Go and conquer the earth. Go and have dominion. This word dominion actually means rule over. So rule over the fish. Rule over all the beasts of the field. Rule over this earth that I've given to you. And go and fill it with my image. We're created in his image. And so God has made us, his people, mankind, to be his image bearers. And he gives this mandate for all mankind to go and bear the image and to fill the earth with his image. And so with this in mind, we're going to dive into why God created woman. As you read this, maybe you were a little awestruck like I was. Like Adam was naming all these animals and he couldn't find a suitable helper and so he would go through all these animals and he's like, well, this one isn't good enough. This one's not fit for me. This one just doesn't seem like it's what I need to, to do this mandate that you've called me to do. He's all alone. God told him to go be fruitful and to multiply. 
and to have dominion, but he can't on his own, right? He just, he can't do it. He needs someone to come alongside and to help him to, to do this mandate of filling the earth with God's presence. And so it opens this story up of how woman was created. The most amazing thing is like of any Middle Eastern creation story, even in the Asian creation story, no other creation story dives into how women were created. They just say man man was there and they include women as well. But in this story, in this Hebrew story of creation, they talk about why God created woman and how God created woman. And I find it fascinating that that man was created out of the earth, like God formed him out of the earth, just like he created every other living thing. But when it comes to women, he took a bone and it's like he picked it up and he built it. That word means built, like he built the woman handmade just right to do what God's called man and mankind to do. You're built by God. Women, did you know that? Like you are built by God. Men were just formed in the dirt. Women were built by God. It's the old saying when I was a kid, right? What are little girls made out of? Sugar and spice and everything nice. What are boys made out of? Snakes and snails and puppy dog tails. <laughs> God formed you. Like God created you. God created women to, to help mankind to accomplish this task, to fill the earth with his presence, to have dominion, to rule, to, to, to go out and to be his image bearers in this kingdom work. Now, as we read Genesis, there's so much we could dive into. We could spend months, actually, on Genesis 1 and 2. And if you have that much time, I would, I would actually encourage you to go to BibleProject.com. They have some great material on Genesis, and, and especially the creation story. But what we want to look at today is why God created women and how God's view of women is and how we as people, as mankind, should view womanhood and so this message is not going to talk so much about the husband and wife relationship. Of course, this is in there, but more about how mankind is better because of women in it. And so I hope today that you're encouraged by that. So this word that he talks about, the suitable helper in, in the scripture, because Adam couldn't find a helper. This word in the Hebrew is Ezer Konegdo. Can you say Ezer Konegdo? Ezer Konegdo. You're all smart. You got Hebrew now. It's like, I got Hebrew. If you don't know nothing else, right? Ezer Konegdo. This is very, very difficult to translate in English because there's really no English word for it. And so if you look in your passage, if you have different Bibles, every, pretty much every one of them translates this word a little bit different. Some of them say helper. Some say fit for him. Some say help meet. Other words, say, other ones say um, what do they say? Not that were suitable, couldn't find a suitable helper, a comparable helper. He couldn't find a partner that was good for him. There's so many different variations of this phrase, Ezra Konegdo, because it's not in our English language. But I think one translator kind of gets it right, Robert Ader. He translates, he translates it, sustainer beside him. Someone that comes alongside man and sustains him and besides him and moves into this mandate to fill the earth with the image of God. This Ezo Konegdo, this Ezer Konegdo, there it is, it's a long day. Ezer Konegdo comes alongside mankind and builds up the whole foundation of everything. We need that helper. The word Ezer means helper. I'm going to break this word down to you. It means helper. 
And now we think of helper in our natural sense as like a servant or someone like a gopher or somebody like bring me the tools, bring me a sandwich, right? We think of these things as a helper. But God, th- this view of Ezra is not that kind of helper. It's not that kind of weak helper. It's someone that comes alongside together and to move forward. Actually, this word Ezra is only used here in Genesis to describe the woman, but in the rest of Old Testament scripture, the Ezer is actually referring to God himself. And so we don't think of God himself as, right, just the waiter that gets my sandwich or helps me do things. God is the one that sustains us, that helps us, the rescuer that comes in. I love Psalm 121. It says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help, my Ezer, come? My Ezer comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Imagine that the writer here saying, I'm looking to the hills. People are invading me. I'm looking to the hills for my help. Where is it going to come from? It's going to come from the Lord. The Lord rides down. He helps. He rescues. You know, and at first I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that as a man. Uh, Do I need a woman to rescue me? Sometimes I do, especially when I lose my keys, right? And I come to my rescue. My wife comes to my rescue quite often. Not just when I lose things, but she also comes in and, and, and saves the day sometimes, especially with things that I'm dealing with. She comes alongside and she helps and she builds up. She's that, she's that help. Mankind needs that helper. Mankind needs a woman to step in and to fill in that gap. So Psalm 54 also says, but God is my Ezer. The Lord keeps me alive. Here's this idea of God being our keeper, God protecting us, God keeping us. And so this helper comes in and sustains us and lifts us up. This helper is for our benefit, is mankind's benefit. Man was never meant to be alone. God gave man woman. And so they're both in this mandate together to go and to have dominion over the earth and to fill it with God's presence. And they're both different. They're opposite. Men and women are different. Have you noticed that? Like we're different, right? We're different, but not just physically, but also emotionally, also uh, spiritually, even mentally. There's so much differences between men and women. God created us that way. He created us as opposites. He created the woman as a connecto. A connecto actually means like opposite of or, or side by side or face to face, a correspondence, an equal but opposite. We're equal heirs. We're equal. Uh, we have equal responsibility in this task, but we're opposite. We both do it differently. We have different strengths that we bring to the table. Men and women have different abilities that they bring to the table. And so the women were created as this Ezra Connecto to be that helper to propel mankind forward. And so I want to look at what God built women to do. Now, just four things. There's a lot more, but I want to focus on four with the backdrop of filling the earth with his image. The first thing is God built women to protect, to protect. You know the term, we all know it, right? Mama bear. I'm a mama bear, right? There's, there's something about the protective nature of women. Like you don't mess with the kids. You don't mess with the man, right? You don't mess with certain people in the family. Women have this protective nature about them. I remember when I was in Israel, me and my wife and some other people, we went there. Oh, it wasn't my wife. It was just me. Huh? That was Hawaii. Yeah. Thank you. You're good. Thank you for correcting me. See? We're going to talk about that in a minute. 
we were in Hawaii, <laughs> and we were at a coffee bean place. There, it's straight now. We were at a coffee bean plant, and there was these chickens everywhere. And, in, in the, and while we're walking around, we see these little chicks running around, and there was a mama hen sitting under one of these trees, and she flares out her wings like this, and like 20 little chicks run up underneath her, and then she like covers them up, and she looks at me like, you can come through me, brother. <laughs> but it was amazing, because they all disappeared underneath. It's like, where did they go? And there was like 20 of them. It was amazing. See, the women have this protective nature to kind of wrap around to protect, to keep safe. You know, they're this azer that helps and keeps things safe. Think about the woman when she's pregnant. Think about the, the child in the womb. I have a picture of that. What happens? The mother encompasses the child. And while the child is encompassed, the child is growing, the child is forming, the child is, 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 is growing into a, a full-blown person, right? And so while they're in there, the mother is protecting this child, it's getting nourishment from the mother. It's getting protection from the mother. The mother is giving it everything it needs to sustain its own life. And so this idea of the mother or the woman as being protector stands so much out even in Scripture. Jesus even talks about how God wants to encompass us with his love. He goes to Jerusalem. And he's looking out and he goes, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who slay your prophets. How long has the father wanted to gather you up like a mother hen gathers its chicks? God wants us to be protected like that. And God has even created women to help us to protect and to give comfort. You know, there's something comforting about a woman's presence. I remember a few years ago, it's been a while, but... We thought it would be a great idea to have all the men do kids' church. So we, we got all the men, and we were in the nursery. We were in kids' church, right? So all the women could be in for Mother's Day. And I remember distinctly because I was in the nursery that day. And I'm sitting in there waiting for kids to come in, and I'm noticing, well, there's no kids. And then this sweet parent comes in, hauling this baby around in a and she gets up there, and she's about to hand this kid off to me, and she looks inside, and she's like, are you the only one here? I'm like, no, i got to help her. They're just not here right now. She's like, I might come back. She turns around, and I never see her again. They're, you know, they're just, but if there was a woman in there, they would be like, oh, well, maybe I can give you my child. Because it's not that men are, you know, brutal, but... There's just this, we just feel easier about women taking care of, we feel easy about women protecting things like this. Women, women protect, they, they just cover, they cover and they protect. And they are protecting mankind. You know, mankind needs this protection, right? Women, you were designed to protect, to cover, to give comfort to the world. And then also, God created you, women, built you to give strength. A different kind of strength. Men and women have different strengths, right? I, I thought of an illustration that Karen told me about when I was planning this message. And she goes, what about this time you and Christian were building these desks? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's funny. So we were putting this desk together. We'd, I mean, we had the instructions, but we weren't really following it because that's what guys do, right? <laughs> instructions are suggestions. That's what instructions are. <laughs> and so we're, putting, we're trying to put this desk together. And we have these power tools out. We got all electric because that's what you do, right? You're a guy. You got power tools. You don't touch nothing, right? And so we got power drills, and we can't get this thing to fit just right. And Karen comes up, and, 
And she's putting the other desk together, and it's just fitting right perfectly. Like, what's going on? And she comes in with just this little bag of tools. And, and then we're like, Karen, help us put this one. <laughs> and then she put that desk together. We needed a different kind of strength. Men tend to kind of power through things, right? Sometimes we need a gentle touch. Sometimes we need the strength that women have to come in and to help. It's men and women working together to make the world better. It's men and women's using their own strength. My wife needs my strength, and I need her strength. Mankind needs man's strength, but also mankind needs women's strength. We need each other. We're opposite, but yet we're in the same mandate to fill the earth with God's presence. I love this lady, Carolyn Custis James. She's wrote a few books on, on uh, womanhood. She's also wrote about manhood as well. But this quote was in one of her articles, and I thought it was really good, and I wanted to share it with you. Because she's talking about the strength of women and, and how God created women. And she says this, God didn't create the woman to bring half of herself to his global commission or to minimize herself when the man is around. The fanfare over her is overblown if God was only planning for her to do for the man things he was per perfectly capable of doing for himself or didn't even need. Like, if he didn't need a helper, why would he bring the woman in? But the man, here's the thing, the man won't starve without her, okay? Despite, husbands, what you told your wife, you're not going to starve. You'll find some food. He was perfectly capable of doing for himself or didn't even need the man won't starve without her. In the garden, he really didn't need someone to do his laundry, to pick up after him or manage his home. If Adam must think, decide, protect, and provide for the woman, she actually becomes a burden on him. Not much help when you think about it. The kind of help the man needs demands full deployment of her strength, her gifts, and the best she has to offer. His life will change for the better because of what she contributes to his life and vice versa. So God put this Ezra Konegdo, this, this perfect fitted helper to help mankind move along, men and women moving together in the same direction, lending each other their strengths, filling in the gaps, and the problem with this is when women don't understand their creative value, when they don't see that God created them with their own strength and their own abilities and their own things that they bring to the table, they fail to live up to who God created them to be. And, and unfortunately, they become either two things. They become, bless you. <laughs> they become weak and submissive to the point of being taken advantage of and needy. These women become codependent because they don't realize who they are in Christ instead of walking as co-heirs. And on the other hand, they, they take the other extreme and they become angry and try to rule over men and minimize men's creative value and try to run over men like they're the enemy. And we see this very plainly in Scripture with the person of Jezebel. And God is telling you, women, like, you don't have to live at these extremes. God created you for a purpose and a reason. God created you to know who you are, that you are strong and you're not weak and subservient, and that you don't have to fight for every little thing that you get. God has placed you in mankind to lend your strength. I love this passage of Scripture, Proverbs 14.1. I don't think I gave it to them, but it's 14.1 if you want to write it down, Proverbs. It says, a wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. 
In other words, he's saying a woman who knows her place, who knows who she is in Christ, who knows, and who knows her creative value, who fears the Lord, that's where wisdom comes from. A woman who sees things rightly will build up her home. But a woman who has no idea who she is will tear it down. A foolish woman. I pray that we're all the women in this building, all the women in the world would understand their creative value and they would build, not tear down. And I want to say, women, your strength is what's needed now more than ever. This world has gone crazy. We need women to stand up and to take their place alongside men and, and, to, and to bring the image of God into the world. Your image is needed. God's image is needed in the world to build the community around us. And the church is a reflection of this relationship. The church is what we call the bride of Christ. And if the church knew her created value, then we would stand up as a church and lend our strength to the world around us. The church is a power that the world so desperately needs. And so I pray that the church and women rise up to who they're created to be. And the third thing is women were built to intercede. What do I mean by intercede? The, the word intercede actually means to a go-between. Like uh, there, there's someone who stands in the gap. You know, when I was a kid, my mom would pray for me. She would intercede for me because I wasn't praying. I didn't know the Lord. She would intercede that I would know God. And then when I was outside of my mother's dominion and I was married to my wife, she would intercede for me. She got women praying for me. She prayed for me that I would come to the faith. And her intercession, her, she stand in the gap for me and God answered her prayers. You know, I think it's natural for women to want to intercede. It's just, it's a more natural thing. Like men intercede, yeah, we can do that. But for women, it's a more of a natural thing to care about what other people are and where they're at. I know when me and my wife pray for the church or pray in general, I usually start with like, God, help us to shine for you. Help us to go out and to be obedient and all these things. And then right before I'm done, she's like, you know, we need to pray for so-and-so. We need to pray for this person. We need to pray for that person. We need to pray. And I'm like, oh man, we're going to be here all day. Because so many people need prayer. But she thinks that way. She's an interceder. She's someone that steps in the gap, someone who stands in the way, and I need it. I think of Zipporah, which is Moses' wife. It's a crazy story in Scripture. In Exodus, God's mad at Moses for not doing what he's supposed to do. It doesn't say exactly why, but Zipporah knows. And so she goes and she cuts the foreskin off. That's a crazy story, I'm telling you. Of her son, throws it at the feet of Moses and says, this is a blood oath. And God's anger resides. And she steps in and saves Moses' life because she knew what God was, you know, knew what God was mad about. She knew how to fix the problem. She interceded for Moses in that moment when Moses wouldn't intercede for himself, wouldn't pray for himself. She, she did this blood oath. She actually took the position of a priest in that moment. She used a flint knife, which was an instrument of the priest, to do these circumcisions. She did it because she knew that if she didn't stand in the gap, Moses was going to be done for. She interceded for her husband. We see this with Esther. She, she interceded for her nation. She came to the king and said, king, my people are perishing. They're going to perish if you don't change this law. And she got justice. We see this with Deborah. She stood under her tree and she dispensed justice and she judged Israel. We even see this with Jael, who took the tent peg and stuck it in somebody's forehead. She stood in the gap. She did what was necessary. She interceded. 
for the world around her. I love the story of the, of the wedding feast. Mary and Jesus and all his disciples are at this wedding feast and the wine runs out. And so Mary, she intercedes on behalf of the, of the wedding guests. So she calls to Jesus and says, Jesus, these people are out of wine. And Jesus, being the son that he is, his mom, this isn't really my, like, what's it to you? <laughs> like, what's it to them? And instead of saying, well, okay, she says, just do what he says. She interceded. And so, of course, Jesus made the water into wine. And we know the story is the very first miracle recorded in Scripture. But Mary stood in the gap for those people. Mary interceded for those people. She knew where to go. And I pray that women know where to go. Like they know where to intercede. They know where to ask God to step in and that he hears their courses, hears their prayers so we can change our course. This role of interceder also, as Carolyn Custis James says, that this role of interceder, this woman will be the man's strongest ally in pursuing God's purposes, but also his first roadblock when he veers off course. No one can oppose me like my wife. No one has the permission to oppose me like my wife. She is that connecto that stands face to face. And she's like, come on, this is the right way. Come on, this is the right way. Get your eyes on where God's taken us. And vice versa, I can do the same thing with her. Come on, this is the right way. This is where God's leading us. Let's go this way. And she has permission by God to, to show me when I'm off course. And she does that quite often. I call her Holy Spirit number two. <laughs> She's like, Neil, that's not, you know, you don't need to be doing that. That's, you, need to, you need to go this way. She's that discernment that I need. It's a different kind of intercession. She has the right to be my roadblock. And she's also my biggest champion. She also... She's my biggest support. I'm telling you, there's nothing more powerful than when she prays for me on a Sunday morning. She'll pray for me over a message, and she'll just pour life into me and, and vice versa. And I pray that women would do that. They would understand, like, they have a power. They have something to give. Like, God has given them this power to pray and intercede, not just for their household, but also for the world. And we see this reflected in the church, like the church should be this praying church that intercedes for the world around them. We need to step up and be the church that God's called us to be. And women, I pray that you step up and intercede and know that God hears your prayers. And the last thing, women were built to rule and to reign with men. With men. <laughs> God gives them this mandate, right? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth with God's image. Jesus gives his disciples a very similar com command. He says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Basically, he's saying multiply. Have dominion over the earth, like spread the kingdom of God all over the earth. Fill the earth with my presence. Fill the earth with God's image. And, and so we see this moving in Jesus. Like there's this commitment, there's this uh, command to rule and to reign with Christ Jesus as his church and as men and women. 1 Peter 3, 7 puts it this way. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. This is physically, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Did you get that? She is equal with you in partner and equal partner in God's gift of new life. 
Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Men, if you don't treat your wives with respect and understanding, your prayers will be hindered. And that's, I'm just, it's just a hard scripture. It's just saying, if, if, you're, if you can't be treating your wife horribly and expect God to step in, there's a correlation here, okay? There's a correlation between Christ and the church. Christ is the husband, basically, and the church is the wife or the bridegroom. And, and so there's a lot of correlation here. So if you're not treating right, your wife good, then don't expect God to step in. And so as a man, what do I desire from my wife? What do I need to do? What do I want from my wife? Well, let me tell you. What I need is her strength. I need her strength to pick me up when I'm weak. I need her strength to come in a different kind of strength when I need it. I need her to oppose me when I need to be opposed. She needs to be my roadblock. She needs to be the one that's saying, you're off course. Let's get back on course. Do I enjoy it at the moment? No. But if I see it for what it is, then I get back on the right path. I need a woman, a wife, to fight with, fight with me, not against me, to fight for me. I need an Ezra Conegdo. I need someone to stand in the gap. Someone's going to intercede. Someone that's going to rule and reign and, and move the household forward. And, and this world needs that. This world needs an Ezra Conegdo that's going to stand in the gap, that's going to move forward, that's going to help push mankind forward. Women, that's what God created you to do. He created you. He built you for this. And so what do I desire for my daughters? What do I want for them? I want them to see their creative value. I want you all to see your creative value. As a woman, you have creative value. And for you to war for God's kingdom and for their friends and their family, to war for all of those things. And if they marry for their husbands to love them, and see them as equals in this mandate, for their children to be safe and built up with them, for them to take their place alongside their husbands and mankind as their Ezo, as their connecto. And for my son to see women as God built them, not as an object to desire, but as an Ezra connecto, a person of great value and help. And my prayer is for this church to be that Ezra connecto to come alongside Christ and to move the kingdom forward, to spread the gospel, to multiply, and to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, a bride worthy of her bridegroom, Jesus. And so this is how I want to end this message today. Reading this statement, and then I'm going to have my wife come up and pray a blessing over the women of the church. And I wrote this statement as a summary of this whole thing. True womanhood isn't loud, it's not spiteful or unsafe, nor is it weak, subservient, or passive. True biblical womanhood is marked by God's kingdom being expressed through her as an Ezra Conegdo to bring God's image to the ends of the earth. And the same goes for the church. I pray we do that. Amen. Amen. Okay, my wife's going to pray for us. She's going to intercede. And so, women, would you stand? We want to bless you before we dismiss this morning.
Father God, we thank you, Lord. I thank you for each and every girl, young lady, woman in here, Father God. Lord, I pray right now, Father God, that you would show them their true value, God, their worth, God, how you see them, Lord, how you created them, Lord, how you formed them, God. Lord, I pray that their gifts would just come out, God. Lord, that you would just bring those gifts out and use them for your glory and your purpose, God. Lord, I thank you for each and every woman in here. Thank you for all the young ones, all the middle-aged, all the older ones, Lord, all various stages of life in here, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for creating them. God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would um, just help us be those Ezra Connectos, Lord. We thank you for that, God. Pour into each and every one of these um, women and young ladies and young girls, God, just pour into them, Lord, your purpose. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. All right. So I want to share something with you guys. You guys can come up. You didn't think you were getting out of it, did you? Yeah. So speaking of women and young ladies. Um, these women came to me a couple months ago and they had this great idea. And I'm like, yeah, go and bring something up and, and bring it to me. And so they brought this idea to me and they laid it on my desk and I'm looking at them like, this is really good. We need to do this. And, and so the, their idea is to have a mother and daughter conference. And, and so this is very much needed because it's very difficult to raise teenagers Right, this is from like 11 to up. I'm going to let you talk, tell the story. But this is very neat, and I, I pray that this goes better than expected. And so this is going to be a September. I'm going to let Jessica kind of give you the vision for it and then how ways you can help and then also what to look forward to. Hello. I'm Jessica, and this is Rachel, Misty, and Miranda. Um, we, me, okay, um, started a small group. A mother-daughter small group, and I started that because at the time, I felt like a failure as a mother. Sorry. <laughs> and um, so it was really hard. And when I was praying, God was like, just focus on the relationship with me and through me and, you know, me and her. Like, yeah, I lost all the words. Sorry. Uh, anyway, so I started the mother-daughter small group, and what, that was going really great, and I was like, well, I want to go to, like, a conference or something, and we thought about maybe doing it with a women's conference, and, well, as women and moms, we want to go to those to get away from our children and press pause and reset, so not great. So then I looked for something for mothers and daughters, and there really wasn't anything local, so God was like, see a need, fill a need, you got this. Um, so I called up my ladies, and we came up with a game plan. Uh, it's going to be on September 9th. Uh, registration is $75. It is 11 and up. Um, but more importantly, at the moment, we need you. We need volunteers. We need prayer. 
We need all the things. And if you're a man, don't think you're getting out because Brad's got you. You just go see him. But we need uh, spiritual mothers for any daughters who want to come that don't have a mom that will come, don't have a mom, or whatever the case may be. We need people to help with sign-in. We have a skit we're doing, so we need help with that. We need a prayer team. We need all the things, all the things you can think of. So we need you to come and see us after service to sign up. And? And Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> Get in there. Get in there. <laughs> Wednesday, we are going to have a little meeting, go a little more over in depth of all the things we do need and any other information you may need on Wednesday. So that's at 6.30 before women's Bible study. Thank you. QR codes are in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah the registration's open, QR code's open. They just need help. Um, they have the game plan. It looks great. They have all the topics, everything. Uh, let's just, you know, this is open to the community, so we want the community to be blessed by that as well. Um, also, this next Sunday, it's like announcement time, but next Sunday uh, is going to be Senior Recognition Sunday. So if, if you're a senior, like not senior citizen, a senior like high school, <laughs> 9 and 11, uh, we're going to honor you guys, pray for you all, and just recognize you guys. And then that following Wednesday, we're going to have a graduation party for them in here, uh, have some Bibles we're handing out. It's going to be a great time as well. And so we'll be looking forward to that. Also, guys, um, Every year we partner with Grace House, and Grace House has what they call the bottle drive. And so at the back table back there by the coffee, you're going to see some baby bottles. What you need to do is you need to take one of those, fill it with change, dollars, whatever you have, and then bring it back by Father's Day. And so they take all that money, and it helps to meet the needs of Grace House Ministries here in town. It's a great ministry. Um, and so bring those back. And so when you grab one, please sign that you got one so we know who has one. Last year, we had to go chase them all down, and we didn't get them all back. And so we just need to make sure we know who has those, okay? Um, so we also have a drawing. Yeah. I'll draw, I guess. Is my name in here? Do I have it? No. We have some. So if I win, I'm, I'm awesome. I'm just kidding. There's three prizes. Go ahead. Cheesecake Factory. 100 all right, 100 bucks. So you can get all the cheesecake you want. Miranda. Oh, yeah. You got ID. Make sure you who you say you are. Okay. All right, next one. I want to win this one. I'm just kidding. Reflection Salon. I'll pick this one. Yeah, Jane Leonard. You know Jane Leonard? All right. Make sure Jane Leonard gets this. All right. You do not have to be present to win. Disclaimer. And this is a whole bunch of different stuff. A whole bunch of different stuff. Yeah, it's Bath and Body Works, like rolled ice cream. And Whistle Hill. Is this fair? Debbie Rowe. <laughs> I, I drew it. I, just, I wasn't looking. I was just... Yeah, you saw, I was like, Debbie Rowe. Oh, man. Did you still want to share? 
So Justin has something he wants to share before we release you guys. Get you a mic. Do you want me to pray a sound? Sorry, I know we have like 10 things we've added on to the end of the service. And uh, I don't mean to be a mansplainer, get up here on Mother's Day and say, oh, I, the Lord gave me something. So I apologize for that. But I don't get this feeling very often. And when I do feel like the Lord put something on my heart, I always make a point to just share. So uh, quick scripture, Romans 8, 18 through 28. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For creation, was not, for creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be liberated from bondage to decay, uh, to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But we hope for what uh, what we do not yet have. We wait patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I feel like it is so easily uh, easy to be demoralized Right now, with the things that are going on in the world, I, if I could count how many times people have said the, the country's going to hell in a handbasket, whatever, there's so much violence, there's so much death around us, so much illness. It is our job as a church to stand up and do the next right thing. We know what's going to happen at the end. Christ is going to redeem us. He's going to bring justice to this world. And we don't brush off the pain of this world. The pain in this world's real. Jesus wept at the death of Lazarus. He didn't, oh, it's no big deal because I'm coming back in the end. I'm going to raise him. It's not like that. It's our actions are not hopeless. If you don't have Christ, if you don't know how the world's going to end, I mean, you could think if you don't have God, you could be like, oh, the world is really going to hell in a handbasket. We're all going to die eventually. But that's not what we believe. We believe that Christ is going to save us, and it's our job to do the next right thing. So uh, my dad's going to let me pray us out. But I will I'll say this to you. Take an opportunity to do the next right thing. Be Jesus to somebody who needs it. Uh, give an encouraging word because, I mean, people are without hope, but we have hope because we know how this, this is going to end. It's going to end good. Good. Father God, I thank you for bringing us here together uh, to serve you and to dwell in your word, God. And I thank you for all the mothers that uh, have come here. God, I pray that you bless them and bless their families, God. I pray that you be with us. Help us to do the next right thing. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.